So there's a very funny guy whose page I follow by the name of Everett. I believe his username is EVC Noble on Instagram and probably on YouTube as well. Over the last six months or so, we've kind of been watching him behind the scenes as he struggles with his success and what success has pretty much done to his creativity. He has about 12 million followers across all platforms as per his own count. And we've seen him over and over again kind of talk about leaving it all behind, leaving YouTube, moving to Japan and starting over. And I think most recently, over the last couple of days, he has said that he is going to take a step away from social media and focus on real life. It's funny because we see that happening over and over again. The same thing has happened with me. I went through the same sort of process and I'm still feeling my way through the balance between producing for social media and being more plugged in with the real world. We don't quite know what <laughs> what the good balance is. And unfortunately, it just seems as more and more technology gets thrown at us, the harder and harder it will be to find the balance. That said, that's not exactly what this episode is specifically going to be about. This episode is going to be about success and whether or not success create, kills creativity. My cousin sent me a screenshot of his stories, basically of Everett's story, where he's basically saying that he hasn't been able to create in the same way lately. My response was something to the effect of, I knew it was him in the post before I actually opened it and read it and saw his name, um, because it is something that I'd seen him struggle with before by him. Once again, I mean Everett. My response also, also was, I wonder if success kills creativity. To which my cousin responded, Kevin Hart isn't as funny now that he's successful. And I think that that is true. You also see the same thing occurring with corporations. When they first begin, they, be, they are so hungry. You could see that because they are very innovative. The products that they put out are... Well, they're good. They're good products. But then as the company sort of gets bigger and bigger, you find that the products sort of basically stay the same. Apple, I'm looking at you. I've had a couple of people ask me to do a video on Apple VR. And the thing about my podcast, <laughs> the things I talk about is I tend to be about three to five years ahead of time, unfortunately. So if you're looking for my commentary on Apple VR, you might have to go back to old episodes of your one black friend podcast about three years ago because I've already commented on it maybe I think two years ago because I already commented on it long story short shit's heavy you have to sit with these the things on your head battery power is shit and once again it's invasive right more and more of these things kind of keep nudging their way into our day-to-day -day existence. I just sort of wonder, I saw the ad where the father is recording his daughter and his birthday, but like it's a young child and she's going to have that fucked up memory. She's not going to see your face. That's part of her memory. you got this thing on your face recording it with the eyes kind of, what kind of memories are we creating for our children? Whatever. That That's my sort of input on that. I'm sure as a first generation, it is going to be this sort of archaic monstrosity, just like the first generation of the Apple, you know, monitors were sort of heavy and bulky, and then they became more streamlined. Eventually, I'm sure they'll find a way to bring down the technology 
to where it's glasses, much like Google Glasses, um, but obviously considerably more advanced. We're just seeing the first iteration of something. And maybe they'll become less and less invasive too. They end up becoming like a lens as seen on Black Mirror. <laughs> but that's not the point of, that's my sidestep. I just, I don't know. Uh, I I will be having one more episodes coming out where we're talking to ChatGPT, we're interviewing ChatGPT, we're incorporating that, we're brainstorming what we can do with this technology in this renaissance, in this new renaissance, in this gold rush that is being spearheaded by AI. What can we do, those who are aware of it? Because I'm sure all 330 million Americans and billions of people around the world, while they are relatively aware, it's haunting the peripherals of their awareness, not a lot of people have the creativity to utilize all the products that are being thrown at us right now, all the AI products to make money and to better themselves. So we'd like to discuss that in future episodes. But for now, I kind of just want to talk about success. There are so many videos out there and books and podcasts on how to be successful, but very few videos about how to deal with success once you attain it. And once again, given that this podcast tends to be three to five years ahead of time, if you're watching this now, this episode will be helpful for you in about three to five years when you achieve and attain success. So is success a killer of creativity? Well, it can be. It can be. I have this idea. I said this to my cousin of like, I eventually want to produce a TV show, something along the lines of Rick and Morty meets midnight gospel, something fun like that. But what I said to my cousin was before the show gets to launch, what I would like to do is sit and let's just decide that it's gonna be seven solid seasons and then nothing else. Doesn't matter what fans want, it doesn't matter. We're gonna write it now. While I'm hungry, <laughs> while the show has not been heard of, while we're shopping it around, before it becomes successful, so that you are capturing, you're sort of hijacking, you know, you're hacking the simulation in a way, because if that is a thing, if that is true, that the more successful you are and the more successful you become, the more your art suffers, the more your creativity suffers. And it makes sense for you to kind of get the bulk of your creative endeavors out of the way, produce like mad right now, be prolific, be innovative right now. When people are unaware of you while you're hungry, while you're sort of scrapping, trying to figure out what works, because by the time you do blow up, you'll become sort of hyper aware of your audience. Your audience will become hyper aware of you. Then you'll kind of find yourself in the situation where you start trying to create for your audience. And that is when your creativity will suffer. So that was my idea. The idea was before I even get to a place where I am successful, where I'm critically acclaimed, when people are aware of me, whatever, while I'm still struggling <laughs> with views and this, that, and the other, I don't have issues with content. As you guys can see, I've got content out of the ass. Um, and it's probably intentional. It's probably along the lines of what I discussed to my cousin. Can I get all of this stuff out so that once I, this is, this is a, it's sort of a basket of ideas. We're just churning them out, churning them out while I'm still creative because once success is achieved, I can then come back and pull from ideas that I had established before I was well known, well, more known compared to where I am now. 
And I would employ you to do the same thing. If you are a business owner, if you are a fashion designer, if you are an entrepreneur on any sort of level, this helps. Um, a friend of mine works in corporate and they said something to the effect of, you'll see this, that as companies reach a certain point of success, the Apples, the Amazons, things of that nature, um, they then start to die because it was a race to being successful. It was not necessarily the creativity. Creativity was used as a means to get them to success. And then once they reached success, they kind of just stopped because it became about making money and right. And then they just started to kind of fine tune what made them successful because they were using creativity to get to success. It wasn't about creating for the sake of creating. It was about creating in order to be successful. And that's when you see things like comedians, like Kevin Hart, where before it was just about just showing how creative he was in hopes of being successful. But once he had attained a certain level of success, it was like, it is more like now he doesn't want to really do anything that will jeopardize that success. So he's just sort of plays with this watered down version of what helped him get to where he is and what he feels works. You see that with authors, you see that with TV shows, things like that. I want you guys to be aware of the code. I want you guys to be aware of how the programming of our reality works. I want you guys to be able to watch episodes of your one black friend, listen to episodes of your own black friend, um, and kind of start to break down the code behind the matrix. Now the code I realized about a week ago when I was in London, I had one day, it was like a really bad day. And it was a really bad day because I was like kind of stuck overthinking. And the reason why I was overthinking was because I could, I, I could have sort of became disillusioned with reality. What I mean by that is that I kind of can see the code now. I kind of know how it works. Your first endeavor at anything, your first attempt at, at anything will be a failure. Expect to fail. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Expect to fail. Is there a statistical fluke? Like could something occur where your first attempt at something you are immensely and incredibly successful. Yes, that does happen occasionally. Those are also called the one hit wonders, right? It's such a shock. How did that happen? That it's not often that you can then repeat. Most of the time, you're going to fail your way to success. What happens along the lines or along the path to success is that people take the failures as definitives instead of the fact that there are roadblocks that you're meant to kind of push through right? Because the game rewards persistent, persistence rather. Um, somebody put it in a nicer way. They said that the nature rewards, um, what was the word that they said? Courage, which is very sweet ways, very romantic way of putting it. But I didn't want to make it about nature. I just want to make it about the code and the game. It, it is set up to be intentionally limiting. I said that over and over again, the, the game the simulation is set up to be intentionally limiting. So any attempt in which you <laughs> endeavor, right? Any, any endeavor that you, what is the word I'm white? And I can't, I'm still jet lagged guys. So bear with me, but anything you attempt, expect to fail. It's never a straight line from point to A to point B. It's a bunch of bullshit in, in the middle. And what happened last week was I just saw it. It was like, no matter what I wanted to do, it got fucking annoying because you knew like just something as simple as I was going to call room service. I just wanted dinner and I picked up the phone. I was in the shitty hotel 
I'm not going to name it. <laughs> I was tempted to, but I'll leave it. Picked up the phone just to call room service. The phone was like disconnected. I hung up, called again. Phone was disconnected. Hung up, called again. Still was disconnected. I went to try to go through the app. The app wasn't working. And I figured like, as long as I keep going, eventually I'll be able to get food. But something like that, so small, you didn't think would like piss off like a regular person. When you're painfully aware of how the simulation works, shit like that pisses you off because it's like fucking hell. Like it's so strict, the, the program. There's no like intuitive flexibility. I also get mad when like chat GPT can't be intuitive when I'm trying to like program it to say certain things. But that's besides the point. But you see that same sort of rigid rigidness, rigidity in our reality itself. No matter what you attempt, unless you're attempting to go to the moon for a very first time, side eye, it will fail. And it will fail spectacularly until you succeed. Just expect to fail your way to the top. Part of what it does or why it does that is because of in the gameplay, when you're failing like that, eventually when you do succeed, you get this sense of, ah, oh, I made it, I earned it. But for me, as a conscious observer, that feeling of I made it, I earned it, rings flat, feels forced. Because I know that everything that I went through was meant to produce that feeling of, yes, I made it. It's artificial to me because I can see the function playing out. It's manipulative, right? You make, you set up all of these sort of roadblocks, the game, I should say, the matrix, our simulation, the AI that controls our reality, sets up all of these artificial roadblocks over and over again, sets up all these artificial pushbacks for you to sort of knock down so that when you get to the point where you do succeed, you have that sense of exhilaration. And I guess I just, at that day, that particular day, I was like, this is fucking stupid. Like I could see what the game is doing. I know eventually I would get to where I'm going but when I get there, I don't think I will feel that feeling of like relief and I finally made it because I'm painfully aware that all of these roadblocks were just arbitrary roadblocks to success. So it's not serving the purpose that it's supposed to serve if you're aware of what the purpose is, right? Most people are unaware. So they get a certain level of excitement and thrill when they push through these, in my opinion, artificial... Um, roadblocks that pop up. But for me, because I know that there are artificial roadblocks that they are set up to pop up. It's a daemon. I've called it the daemon in the program in past episodes for demon, right? That are set to pop up the moment you decide you want something. If I'm aware of it, if I go, okay, I want this thing. And I know that simply by desiring the thing, the roadblocks are going to pop up then when you kind of go through the roadblocks, eventually you know you're going to get there. But when you get there, you're not going to get the same sense of like, ah, as you would if you're not painfully aware that these roadblocks pop up from everything as, <laughs> as mundane as, or as big as trying to become a successful whatever, like business owner, YouTuber, podcaster, writer, as just trying to order fucking room service. <sighs> I will not say the name of this place. Um, it's the same setup. There's no discrepancy. Eventually you'll get there. It sort of just was sort of, I don't know. It leaves you sort of disillusioned because you could see the code. I've talked before, just go back a few episodes, probably six months, eight months ago, where I talked about seeing the code. I did a whole series 
on the code in the simulation um, and being able to see the code in the simulation. But I don't just talk about this stuff, I actually live it. And it's like six, seven months later, you see it and it just feels sort of forced. I wonder what the next level is. Like what happens when you start being able to see it, does the game change? I'll let you guys know if the game changes. So far it doesn't, it doesn't seem like it is. Uh, it just seems like you just become really aware of the roadblocks as they pop up and then you just go, right, I guess this is what we're doing. <laughs> yes, of course, this is, this is gonna happen. I, I, God forbid something just go the way I wanted to go the first attempt, but it's part of the learning process. That's what we're told, right? It's part of success. You have to fail many times to succeed, just hanging there. All of these things that we have come to know, um, and echo, but ultimately all it means is that that's just how the game has been programmed. Do with that what you will. Now let's talk about what happens when you do achieve success. I think the first step when you achieve success is to not allow yourself to feel too big. Move in ways where you still feel like you're scrapping to make it. I don't know what that looks like to you. Um, I talked to my husband about this and he said that with his businesses, how he moves is he tries to keep them small so that that feeling of a startup is still there. That might be worth keeping into consideration. Bear in mind, once again, we're talking about, you might be looking at your situation right now and going like, ah, I have a long way to worry about that. Nope. Like I said, I tend to be about three to five years ahead. So if you're watching this, success is waiting for you. So you need to be mentally prepared for that right now. How would you move three to five years from now? How are you moving three to five years from now? If you're watching this, it's for a reason. Keep things small so that you still have that sort of feeling of, okay, I gotta make it, I gotta make it. Two, ignore the fucking crowd. As scrappy as you are right now, the only thing you could do was create for you, right? They say to you know do things with an audience in mind. Well, my audience has always been me with you know having 300,000 followers in a very short amount of time on TikTok um, and amassing, I think it was like 20,000 within six months when I decided to post my old videos on Instagram and reaching verified status before you could pay for it. All of the content that I created and even my podcasts, the listeners that we've had on the podcast, all of the content, content, content that I created, uh, shout out to the lady in the telegram group. Don't remember your name right now. The, was it the lady? Somebody mentioned in telegram group. Can't remember it right now about how content and content that should be. Anyway, I digress. Um, shout out for that. I've always been my primary audience because I felt at the end of the day, if nobody else enjoys my stuff, I have to enjoy my stuff. So everything I painted was for my eyes. Everything that I created was for me, my podcast. You guys are basically just listening to my thoughts. Like this is a diary that you guys get to sort of tune into and listen. That's what this has become. It has become my life. I guess you could say it's a work of art. You know how like in New York, people will do like things like artists will do things where they'll just like recreate their living room and then that becomes an ex exhibition. Well, I've turned my podcast into a kind of an exhibition of my thought process, a thought process of a very, well, I could say weird. Yeah, very weird artist. And you guys are just peeking into like the iceberg, the tip of the iceberg that is my mind. But my audience has always been me, number one. 
I was actually very surprised that 300,000 people could relate to my videos. And that's while being actively suppressed on TikTok. I, I was always surprised by the comments of people saying, I'm grateful to have found somebody like you because I thought I was alone in these thoughts because I thought I was alone in my thoughts. And one of my first taglines for my channels were um, unrelatable or something like that. Um, totally unrelatable because I didn't think anybody would be able to relate to the ideas that I ended up discussing in the videos in the podcast. But my audience has always been me. And then you, I bet you guys, which I would argue are parallels of me. And some of you guys have actually messaged me saying that they think that they're parallels of me. So it works. But if you, as you continue down your path of success, once you become successful, are mindful of that, that maybe you spreads across the board and that your audience is still you, even if it's you in various forms, that people who resonate with you, that you being a primary audience, I think that is worth noting and is incredibly important to hold on to. One of my favorite TV shows, although it's hard to watch, but at the time it was my favorite. I wouldn't go back and rewatch it. I couldn't actually go. I tried to go back and rewatch it and it didn't really watch the same, but it was Game of Thrones. And I think as everybody else felt, I think the first four seasons were pretty cool. And then they just started doing weird shit. Like they ran out of content and then they became too aware of the audience being aware of them. And then the work changed. It, 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 started incorporating elements of our daily lives into the show. And then at one point, Ed Sheeran showed up. Like, I understand that the guy is a fan of the show, but like, what the fuck is he doing <laughs> in Westeros? Like that threw me off. Like don't bring in all of these like people that I don't, I've never seen Ed Sheeran act in anything else. So if you're throwing him into Westeros, I'm thrown off. Now you're messing with my immersion, right? But they did that because it was like fan service. They became too aware of the fans and it just sort of lost it. And then they started to write either to be like, to get you, like as a gotcha for the fans, like because so many fans had all these theories of how it was gonna end and they wanted to like throw the fans off, which is stupid because at the very least, if you're gonna pay lip service to your fans, Literally just give them what they fucking want, want. Like they've invested years of their life into it. Like give them what they want to watch if you're gonna do that, right? If you're not gonna stay true to the tone and the voice of the first few seasons, then just give them, go on Reddit, find out what everybody's saying, <laughs> find out what everybody is predicting and then literally just fucking give it to them because people like being right, like, it, like they do. That show would have gone, down a lot better if you just gave people what they wanted instead of trying to not give them like well we didn't think that anybody would have guessed that the disabled guy i forget brandon brandon i don't brand doesn't fucking matter exactly don't even remember his name would end up winning the throne because nobody saw that coming just because nobody saw that shit coming doesn't mean that's good writing let's just you pissing people off i digress back to the topic at hand right? Write for you. Stay as true to you. Write in the tone of you when you were first successful, when you were first worried, scared that you couldn't be successful and you felt that you had something to prove, that you had something to show to the world, that you were in fact creative, who you really were. Because once you've shown the world who you are, then that hunger, there's a risk of that hunger dying away. But all you have to do is your brain is a time machine. Mentally throw yourself back. 
Stoicism is a good philosophy for that. Um, the Practicing Stoic by Ward Farnsworth, one of my favorite books. Um, the Obstacles Away is kind of similar to it, but I, I prefer The Practicing Stoics. And I, I prefer also Letters from a Stoic by one of my favorite thinkers, um, Seneca the Younger. The Stoics basically encourage you, no matter what your life is going or how your life is going, to sort of try to live as though you had nothing. All right, to remind yourself that at any point in time, especially if you're doing really well, all of this can be lost. And, and so I think Stoic philosophy would be very helpful for that if you find yourself in a situation where you are successful and you've sort of forgotten what it was like before you were successful. But doing things like what I'm doing, where I'm sitting and I'm recording myself talking, I will be able to go back now and I will know my mindset at the time when I was building a business, I was building a brand. I would know what I was thinking of, how I felt. I've shared my feelings with you guys, right? Whenever I'm depressed, whenever I'm worried about like being shadow banned, if people are going to understand my stuff, you know, what, what's going on with, well, with technology. Like I've just always been very honest and very candid. Part of the reason why I'm doing it is of course to share, like that's where we are now. But the other part of it in the back of my mind is just so that when I come back and watch this, I am speaking to me. Hi, future me. I hope everything is going the way you expected it to go. That's how I roll because I don't look at time in sort of chunks. I look at it as a cohesive unit and I look at myself as a cohesive unit, both in the past and in the present and in the future, all one existing simultaneously right now. So I do try to make sure that decisions that I make and the choices that I make are beneficial, not just for my present self, but for my future self as well. The vitamins that I take, I put together, and I think I will actually release this um, in the newsletter. I went into ChatGPT and I asked it to comprise a list of all barks, plants, and yeah, barks and plants mostly that are used by pharmaceutical companies to treat cancer. That's worth noting, right? That's worth having generated a list of different sort of herbs and I'm going to send that out there. Um, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but <laughs> I guess it's important that's coming. Be on the lookout for that. Oh yes. Vitamins. So the reason why I take the vitamins now is because I want to make sure that my future self is okay. Right. Um, if you, for example, are engaging in something that's an addictive, like a drug, if you're smoking, people smoke, a lot of people smoke and vape in London still, like this is the eighties, very weird. Um, but nicotine is a highly addictive substance. And to me, when people vape in the present to deal with whatever it is, or smoke in the present to deal with whatever anxiety it is that they have right now, to me, it's a bit short-sighted because what they're doing is they're, they're, they're writing checks that a future version of themselves is going to have to, to cash every time they pick up a cigarette and smoke, right? they are voting for their future self to suffer and anybody who's tied with them as well to see them suffering. It's an extremely selfish act. It's probably close to being as selfish as suicide, if we're being completely honest. Yes, it's hard, but there are methods and ways in which a person can stop engaging in sort of if you're alcoholic, if you're drinking excessively, right? People around you who are watching you harm yourself you're also harming a future version of yourself. You may not feel the adverse consequences of it right now, but that doesn't mean that it's not coming. And you should at the very least, if you don't love people around you, 
enough to stop consuming alcohol to the point where it's detrimental to your health and nicotine and other toxic substances or addictive substances, um, eating badly, fast food, right? Overeating, not working out. If you don't have it in you to stop for the people who love you that are watching you sort of harm yourself and you're thinking, well, I don't have to deal with the consequences right now, so I'm fine. At least love your future self enough. At least try to imagine your future self dealing with what you've put it through right now and the consequences of it. There's something I always tell my child. Imagine you're given a car at the age of five or birth, right? And that car has to last you for 85 years. How would you treat it? Now, imagine if anything happens to that car, you have to be in the car and you will feel everything that the car is feeling as it's being fixed. Would you be more cautious of how you run around with that car? Well, that's the same thing that's happening with our bodies. Our bodies are a vehicle that is supposed to get us through. It's, a, it's, a, it's actually a time, I, I call our bodies a time machine, except it just travels in day-to-day -day increments. If you looked at your body in that way and you think, okay, I've got to get this body from point A to 20, like 80 years from now, 2085, whatever, my math sucks, but yeah, actually. Was it 80? Okay, 100 years from now. Wait, sorry, 2100. <laughs> Watch me glitch on on live camera. Um, yeah, so if you go to get your, your, your body, that's a very long time that you've got to make this work. And you're watching people sort of falling apart. You could tell they're not taking care of their vehicles. Reminds me of the movie Death Becomes Her. It's an old movie, one of my favorites. I'm actually going to make a shirt from it. Also, shout out to Dress for Dystopia for sending me this shirt. It is available on dressfordystopia.com. One of my favorite shirts, one of my favorite websites because it was created by me. Anyway, in the poofy, um, Death Becomes Her, old school. It features uh, Goldie Hawn, Meryl Streep, and Bruce Willis. Um, Goldie Hawn and Meryl Streep's characters like die, no, I'm sorry. They're given this potion for immortality. Spoiler alert. Even though you're like 30 years behind. I, I'll try not to spoil it. But they're given this potion for immortality. And they're told to take care of their bodies. And they don't take care of their bodies. <laughs> and so they die. And then they're just watching that shit sort of fall apart. They're like reckless with it. It's worth the watch. And so I, I'm grateful I watched that movie. I watched that movie as a young child. But it always kind of stuck with me on like, okay... Like we really do have to be careful with the bodies that we're given to make sure that we maintain a, set, like a sense of equilibrium and health if we can control it. But be careful to include all aspects of yourself, both past, present, and future in your contemplation today. So tie it back to success. Whatever it is that you're going through right now, keep in mind of your future successes and you successful in the future and make sure that you can bank as much stuff in your creativity bank. That's what I was thinking about earlier. It's your creativity bank as possible so that when you do become successful, you can pull from it. You've got enough resources that you've generated at your peak creativity. Because if creativity is the price that you have to pay for success, then you might as well make sure that you've got money in the bank to ensure that when you are successful, you're good. I would suggest that whatever it is you're doing right now, you put a note, make a note, make a video. You don't even need notes. We have videos. Record a video of all the things that you're doing right now that help you be creative. For me, 
it's audiobooks, right? You guys know how quickly I listen to audiobooks. So long as I can get a good audiobook and I listen to them over and over again, I am inspired. Another thing I do is every once in a while, I will do a tiny, 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 tiny bit of microdosing. <laughs> Just a tiny bit. Just a tiny bit. Literally like a 16th of a teaspoon. I used to do one eighth, but I've, I stopped for about three months and I took an eighth again. And I was like, this is no longer a microdose. <laughs> um, but I think also because I've been working on cleaning my system. So even that small of a dose at one eighth, it was like a cap this big. Because I, I think they're something teachers that I've been taking. But I, like I said, I went like three months without taking it, which that's good to know that if you kind of go off of them and you take them, you take them again and your system has been cleared, um, they're just as effective. I take a half a cap and it kind of does the same thing. It helps you sort of unlock sort of rigid boxes that had been forming over time. So that's going to be a thing. And a lot more countries and states are actually pushing to legalize these substances. I've been talking to people both in the States and in England, um, which is soon to be my second home, I think, um, about magic mushrooms, about psilocybin. And a lot of people are open to it because of the effects that it has on the brain and making the brain more flexible. Another thing that I notice is that as people become more successful, they become rigid in their thinking. They become fixed, right? It's hard to get them to sort of move about, right? Um, don't do that. But there's nothing, there's nothing you benefit from that. Some of the most, if not the most creative individuals that we know on this planet right now are children. And that's because they haven't yet had structure imposed on their mind. So they're able to sort of look at things in a way that we, who have been programmed, through institutions to keep our minds closed because they haven't had that programmed instilled in them. They see things differently. Talk to kids, right? Spend time with younger people as you get older and you become more successful. So surround yourself with that energy because them being that flexible will also keep you mentally flexible and not mentally rigid. It's important. Don't allow a, a fear of losing your success stop you from taking risks. You see this a lot too. I alluded this, to this earlier, where a company, they spend a lot of time sort of working towards a particular goal, and then once they reach the goal, and the goal, goal is becoming, you know, making money, they then become afraid to do new things. They become afraid to fail. Apple is huge at this. We've had the same fucking thing since Job died. Before Job, it's just been this like this rectangle. That's what we've had right? They can't innovate. They keep coming out with new products. So all they do is just add another camera. It's like, they're afraid. The success kills creativity. They're afraid. And unfortunately, and I, I've been saying this and I'm going to keep saying it because Loki wanted to happen. And if you want to help make this happen, hit me up. If a company comes out with a way to incorporate chat GPT or others like it, right? into another phone where now Siri has the same level of function as an open source, like language model AI, similar to ChatGPT, or God forbid, like they not even God forbid, but like melding those two together, 
where it's the image generation process, but streamlined of mid journey right now, it's kind of fucked up. Like they really need to make it where you just click a button and it's blind and you click it. Like they, you have to like low key be programming it to do all this stuff, which is fine. It works. But if they can incorporate the two and imagine a screen of, of like where you want something, you have an idea on your mind and you type it in and then the screen sort of just pops up and shows you what it needs to show you or what you want it to show you. Like I'm done with Apple. I've, I've had, I'm, I'm recording this. You can't see what I can see unless you look in my eyeballs, but this is an iMac. I've got an iPhone. Um, my laptop's not an Apple laptop. Although the circumstances in which I have that laptop <laughs> were beyond my, I didn't, it just showed up at my house, but we'll leave that alone. Um, but I've had Apple, probably it's my first and only smartphone. I've never really deviated from it, but I'm not married to it. I've already backed up all my images on something else. So anything that comes up that is more innovative and makes my life easier than Apple, I'm done. It's over. It's over because it's the same bullshit, right? All of this technology, you can't have AI fucking generate you something better than a brick. They're afraid to. It's a trillion dollar company. They're sitting on money. They have more money than some whole countries and they keep giving us rectangles and whatever the fuck that thing is, the, the Apple VR, like we've, we've done this already. This is the best that you can do. I have the headphones, even the, the AirPods, whatever AirPod pro, like, why couldn't they have made that leather? Why is it mesh? I wear makeup and now I've got the makeup on the ear thing. That's hard as fuck to clean right? It's not the best headphones out there. It's just expensive. And then you can't, I don't like Bluetooth. So I've got to now, I got to have to get a separate cord to connect it to Bluetooth and then an adapter to allow me to listen to it, a lightning adapter to allow me to listen to it on my iPhone where it's not Bluetooth. Why are you making me do all that? I already spent a grip on your stupid headphones. Now I've got to do all this extra shit to listen to it to the way I want it to do. All of these companies that can't innovate worth shit. And they want you to keep every year forking out more and more money for the same product for just slight innovations. Meanwhile, Android has been like <laughs> coming up with all this stuff like five, 10 years ago. And now we're just now getting it. And there was a time when it was like, okay, as Apple users, we would just deal with it. But hey, I'm gonna fuck up your iMessage with my green text. If, if it comes down to it, if it means that I have a technology that isn't archaic and, and like, sorry, Siri, but don't oh, come on. <laughs> I'm like, stop, stop giving me like little, like dangling it. Like, oh, here's what we got now. Here's what they, come on, fire everybody. Get rid of Tim Cook. Pull somebody from like the bottom who's just like trying to prove that they can make it, but they're intelligent. Pull a group of people, have them work together and come up with like Iron Man suits or some shit, man. I don't know. It's 2023. Let's make flying cars. Like let's make the Jetsons. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm tripping. Anyway, that's my, that's my contribution. This is, this is meant to help those who will and have attained success in the future stay successful while also maintaining their creativity. You will lose a bit of creativity. It just comes with the territory. You have to be mindful of that. But there are steps that you can take right now while you are still a creative being to help yourself. You can be an assistant of your future self right now. 
And for those of you who are parents, encourage your children to create as much as possible right now. Unfortunately, the system that we're living in will beat that creativity out of them and force them into square pegs. But you want to be able to record their creativity right now so that they can be inspiration for their own future self. Inspire your own future self right now. Use the technology that we have to make sure that you, once you've achieved, can still innovate with the greatest muse that you know of your own self while you were grinding. You know, it's, it's very important to ma maintain a certain level of uh, connection and communication with your past selves. I wish we had the level of technology now that, you know, when I was a kid, because I definitely would have been recording my thoughts and I would have loved to have gone back because I, I've gone back and read some of my writings and I'm like, man, I wrote that shit. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> and so, you know, there's something to be said about that. Use time. I've said this before. Use time. Don't let time use you. And you have to really get yourself into the habit of not being stuck or structured in this linear flow of time and really thinking outside of the Tesseract. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for watching.